Hey everybody, just before we begin the Voices in My Head podcast today, I want to remind you, now depending on the time when you're listening, uh, we have two days left in this Indiegogo fundraiser to make my new album, Thunder. And if you go to Indiegogo and just look up Rick Lee James or look up Thunder, you'll be able to find that there. Uh, we have right now raised over $3,000, but we need a lot more help because the goal is a little over 10000 And uh, we can use your help, certainly, even if you're uh, listening to this a little late, we're going to do our best to allow you to put some more money on the album. Uh, the good news is if you donate before the 18th, and it has to be before September 18th, just a couple days from now. One of the perks that you can sign up for when you donate or pre-order the album is you get two songs from the album right away, and that includes the song written by Rich Mullins, Lowell Alexander, and Phil Nash called Thunder. We like the song so much we actually named the album after it. The rest of the album is original songs by me. There's hymns that are reimagined, <clears throat> excuse me, hymns that are reimagined, and of course that Rich Mullins song that we talked about already. So if you haven't given yet we could sure use your help a pre-order is as good as anything else you can go online and get a lot of perks i'm even giving away one of my guitars to the highest bidder on indiegogo so if you're able to help us out it would sure be great that's indiegogo.com again my name is rick lee james you know that if you listen to this show so just look me up there we've got until september 18th so please help us if you can and as always thank you for listening to voices in my head Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget, to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, they know not what they do. Today, Father, forgive them. You will be with me in paradise. Forgive them, you will be with me today. Today, Father, forgive them. You will be with me in paradise. Forgive them.
Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. For you, the listeners of Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I personally recommend The Warden and the Wolf King by today's guest, Andrew Peterson, or any of the books from Andrew Peterson's Wingfeather Saga for that matter. Every book in the Wingfeather Saga is available on audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, Go to audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head for your free audiobook. Andrew Peterson is our guest today. He has not one, but two new albums Resurrection Letters Prologue, which released on February 9th, and Resurrection Letters Volume 1, which will release on March 30th. Andrew, welcome back to the Voices in My Head podcast. Thank you, Rick. Good to talk to you, man. It's great to talk to you again. I was just thinking this morning, it was a couple of years ago now during the season of Lent that I sat with you on a couch in your place in Tennessee, and we were discussing your much-acclaimed album, Resurrection Letters Volume 2, and its significance in your career. And little did I know that you would be releasing not just one, uh, Volume 1, but also a prologue, and they are great. So I wonder if, just to catch listeners up a little bit, maybe you could start by giving us maybe a quick recap of Resurrection Letters volume two and why it came first sure uh it's this is such a confusing thing and it seemed like such a good idea at the time and maybe it <laughs> will maybe it will prove to have been a good idea i don't know but uh so about 10 years ago i was working on an album and uh, i had just read a book called surprised by hope by nt wright and was um and had reread the great divorce by c.s lewis and a couple other books that kind of just stirred in me this like renewed um, excitement and longing for the resurrection uh, for our resurrection and kind of like the fact that Christ's resurrection from the dead on Easter Sunday, what he was the first one, you know, he's the first one from the dead as scripture sure. says. And so the idea that like uh, there's this out outward ripple effect that affects us 2000 years later. Um, and so all the songs when I looked at, I didn't do it on purpose, but a lot of times I'll, you know, just look at the songs that I've written and look for the theme that ties them all together. And so, uh, with that record, I, I remember looking at all the songs and realizing that all of them dealt in one way or another with this idea of resurrection kind of loosely tied together by this theme. And so I thought oh, I'm going to call it resurrection letters or no, no, no. Uh, there was a guy named Tim Bourne online said something like Andrew looking forward to hearing this, your resurrection letters. And I was like, that sounds like an album title. <laughs> so, uh, so I, we recorded the album about halfway through the album. I, I, I remember thinking this feels like part two. Um, I, like I would, I wish that the, that there was an album that came before this one that was specifically about the resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And this could be kind of the answer to that album about the, you know, the, the effect of the resurrection on us. And, uh, and so I thought it was so clever. I would title that one volume two and release it first. And uh, and I pulled that, and they were, I was like, it's so weird that it'll be a good, you know, talking point for marketing. And they went with it, bless their hearts. And uh, <laughs> and you know, of course, that just meant that for the last ten years, uh, people have been asking, when is Volume One coming out? And it's just right. like, oh man, I don't know, I don't know, one of these days. And so that's what this is. So the idea is, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if that that sums it up for you, but um, no, that's, that's kind of the short version. 
That's really good. And and I, you know, I I remember when Volume 2 came out and I think I was reading about it. I think the first time I read about it was maybe in Worship Leader magazine or something like that. And nice. I remember thinking, "Oh, did I miss did I miss an album? There's, there's Volume 2 that came out." Uh, but man, it's such a great album. It's become a classic and some of my favorite songs that you've written are actually on that album. So, oh, I Ever since I announced uh, last week that you'd be coming on the show again, I've had so many comments from people in the social media realm just saying things like, I've been waiting for this for 10 years. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So I feel that there's a great amount of anticipation for this. Well, and... that's really exciting, and I'm grateful, and I'm also a little scared, you know. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, uh, it's like the... I don't know, like it, it, expectations make me nervous. And uh, yeah. so, but having said that, like, I, I don't know that I've ever been so excited to share a record with, mm. with people. Like uh, I, I feel way more excitement than trepidation. Like there's this weird thing that happens when you, when I, when I make an album anyway, that where uh, until the song, before it's released, every, the, all of the, it's all potential energy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Sure. And so I kind of have this weird, I, I kind of want to just sit on it and keep it as quiet as possible for as long as possible, because then, you know, there's still the possibility that it could, <laughs> you know, go out into the world and, and really move people. And, and so anyway, part of that is fear based, you know, um, yeah. but this time I've just, I'm like, it's like the horse is in the pen and it's kind of just impatiently stamping its hoofs on the ground. And so I'm ready <laughs> to fling open the gates. I can't wait for people to hear it. Well, I'll tell you, as, as one of the perks of, of this job is getting to have some review copies in advance, and I, I've listened to both volumes, um, the prologue and volume one, at least four, probably five times now over the last week, and I, I love them. I think they're so good, and they're just, uh, they set the right tone for the season that we're in right now with Lent, um, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about your, your prologue, but I love the, the Tenebrae song, The Last Words. It just it just all feels so right for right now. So I don't think you have anything to be fearful about when it comes <laughs> out. I really, I really think it's going to be well-received by everybody. Well, thank um, you. I, I wanted to ask you, because um, I can't remember if it's been one or two albums in between uh, the times that you've actually worked with Ben Shive as your producer, but you're back with him again this time. And yeah. I, I did. I, I was just kind of wondering about, you know, did it kind of feel like getting back on the, the same old bike again? And, and I just wonder about your experience going back with Ben again, because I know it's not like you guys have stopped being together or working together or playing together at oh, all. I lost you for a second. Are you still there? I'm still there. Uh -oh. Can you hear me? Uh, hello? Yep, there you yeah. are. You came oh. back. All right, sorry about that. Sorry, uh, man. No, that's okay. No, I was just curious about uh, was it? I mean, did it did it feel right again? I mean, being back in the studio with Ben as in the producer role and just you know how oh, yeah. is that compared to some of your past experiences? Sure. Uh, so Ben, I, I need to total it up one of these days, but I feel like he's produced six or seven of my albums and uh, just one of my dearest friends and uh, 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 Gabe Scott, another of my just dear old friends uh, made the burning edge of dawn, which is the last one. Mm. And that felt like it was, that was really scary. Like going from, you know, having worked with Ben and Andy Gullihorn all those years, um, Ben usually was at the helm of, of a record. And then Andy was a huge part of it, you know, um, uh, because we would, we'd toured together and um, they'd help me kind of uh, hash out the songs and kind sure. of you know, bolster them up a little bit. And, uh, Anyway, I, but I, but at the time it was like Ben and Andy had both uh, 
felt the need to, to, to stay home more and not travel so much. And so, and at the, and then Ben's production career got super busy. I mean, the dude is just one of the most in demand producers in Nashville, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and so he wasn't available for the burning edge of dawn. And it just kind of felt like I, I was just in a place where I was like, I wonder what would happen. I need to be brave and step out and try to hire somebody else. And so, mm. <laughs> so I did like the wimpiest brave thing you can do. And that is hire another <laughs> old friend that you feel very comfortable with. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so it wasn't all that courageous, but, but Gabe produced burning edge of dawn. And that was an, a black, total blast. Like uh, I just, I love Gabe so much and we've, been making music together for i think we figured out 25 years wow um that he and i have been playing together off and on um which is a rare thing in this business so uh so anyway so i had in the back of my mind that if i if i do ever record <laughs> volume one um i really want ben to do it because he was there for volume two and um i just i don't know i think he just really understands understood the concept he understood what i wanted mm -hmm. to do and and part of that too was that ben is an elder at his church and like uh, you know as long as i've known him um he he knows the bible um probably as well as any person i've ever met and uh, mm. and just was i don't know like i felt really good about entrusting him with this uh really um foreboding task of trying to write a, a group of songs produce a group of songs about what is you know in some ways the 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 central the the most important part of christianity like yeah. like in obviously the cross is necessary but but like if the, if the resurrection didn't happen we wouldn't be here right now you know we yeah. wouldn't the church wouldn't exist and so the the very fact that the resurrection happened um to me it has such importance that i was like i don't i don't want to trust this process with just anybody and so i was yeah. so thankful that ben had room in his calendar and we were able to to do it together yeah well it's it it sounds really um i mean it just sounds like you guys were born to work together every album that you do it, it really does i just feel like you have that sort of relationship that comes out in the music um i'm I'm assuming, and I, I think I'm right that that Ben probably arranged the strings arrangements um, mm -hmm. on on the album as well, and they're beautiful. And then yeah, the, yeah. Uh, there's a reflective piece uh, that's just musical on uh -huh. uh, on the prologue that it really fits uh, just very well. So what a what a creative guy uh, in his own right. And I, I just I always appreciate when both of you guys get together. I that. That leads me into my question about your Tenebrae song, Last Words, because it feels like it was probably a collaborative effort to kind of come up with this um, this arrangement because it is a song that's in, in a round, and I've been telling some of my pastor friends and some of my music pastor friends, like, this is a really uh, very cool arrangement of the seven last words and something that I haven't heard in exactly this way before. I've definitely been in services of Tenebrae services where we've gone through those last phrases of mm -hmm. Christ, but never would I have thought of, of making them into a round like you did. And it, it really sets a tone for the album, and I've suggested to some of my other friends who, like me, do music in their churches, like, this could be something it feels like 
um, you could actually maybe do with a few of your people in the congregation just, mm. you know, at your Tenebrae service this year. And it feels just very, maybe almost in an acapella type mode. So I'm just wondering yeah. how the process of kind of writing that and recording that came about. Because you don't hear rounds very often on, on records anymore, but it's really uh, neat the way you did that. Well, thanks. Uh, and that that one was a... Uh... For years and years, I uh, have, I, you know, I've been wrestling with how, how to uh, approach the telling the story, like how explicit does it need to be? Is it, you know, is this, is, does it start with Christ waking up in the tomb mm. or, or does it start with the death of Jesus? You know, there were all these questions kind of swirling around, but I knew that I wanted there to be a song called Tenebrae, um, which would, which would do this thing. And, um, and so I, you know, told Ben about this idea and the, the idea was to have the candles be lit one at a time and then the candles be blown out one at a time. So it started mm -hmm. with the first of the seven last words and then ends with the last of the seven last words just to, um, illustrate, like if you could look at the lyrics stacked up, it would look like a little hill, you know, <laughs> it would start sure. with one and then go back down and end with nothing. And I, part of that is that, um, you know, I didn't grow up in a super liturgical church. Uh, mm -hmm. or anything so the idea of a tenebrae service was new to me um maybe five years ago maybe a little longer ago i think it was um midtown fellowship here in nashville that did one and uh and i was just overcome by it uh, mm. it was um monday thursday is the same way in the anglican church that i i go to now where it's like um the idea that you you just kind of have to sit in the darkness and the pain of the cross yeah from friday to saturday night um, is such a profound, like, it, I don't know, it embodies, uh, it's very worshipful, but it's also so painful and, yeah. and it makes Easter morning feel like the biggest party. And so somehow I wanted to, to open the record with the gravity of, of the cross. And so that was the idea. I would, I would be so curious to see how, <laughs> how it would go for somebody to try to perform it. Cause it would take seven yeah. people yeah um at least you know because you know we doubled some of the voices on there as far as the, the the writing of the song i remember telling ben the idea sitting at the piano and kind of going here's what i'm thinking and i played a chord or two and sang that first um father forgive them for they know not uh -huh. what they do and uh and ben kind of then found the looping chord structure and it took about 20 minutes to write the thing like it, it like we just laid down the first one and we're like okay that's cool and looped it in Pro Tools so that it kept going. And then we mm -hmm. looked at the next lyric or the next verse and said, okay, how do we sing this in a way that doesn't get in the way of the last one? And we just stacked it up and and we're done. It was kind of this crazy quick quick thing where, uh, and my son Asher was in the room too, and he was kind of working on programming the drums while we were doing it. So it just yeah. felt very much like, oh yeah, that, that was easier than I thought it would be. That's really cool. I, I, you know, and I think about too. You when we're talking about this prologue album, especially, um, it it hits us right now as at our time of recording. You know that we've had yet again another national tragedy. You know this yeah. terrible shooting in Florida, and um, and you know I never know what to say, and and sometimes in those moments, I think all we have is the death of Christ and the hope of the resurrection to just hold out. And mm -hmm. it's something so poignant about um, Lent. And, and not that I think that the shooter had anything in mind, but we're beginning this season on Ash Wednesday and this terrible tragedy happens. Yeah. And I feel like as believers, 
that what we have to offer the world is just um, this hope that grieves, but is in, in anticipation of, of this resurrection that's coming somehow and in some way. And, uh, and I've, I've found that I've been, as I've been listening through the prologue, um, it, it's been hitting me at a, at a very appropriate time to, to just be able to kind of deal with those things. Again, this morning I'm listening to a reporter who was at a memorial service yesterday on the radio. And this wasn't a person that was connected with the family, and they weren't a person that was um, close to them by any means. But this reporter, as he's just naming names and telling about these high school students and teachers that died, he's just, on a on a live broadcast, he's just uh, breaking down into tears and crying. Oh, and yeah. And... Um, and it's a very profound moment, and I'm I'm grateful for this album just for the way that I think it can help us um, maybe put some words into some of the things that we're grieving about right now. Well, I, I sure hope so. Yeah, it's a one of the the things that I love that happens in uh, a couple of the Tenebrae services that I've been to. They use clips from movies sometimes, mm-hmm. and like readings from. It's not all just scripture. Like it's more a time to like take a second and look at just how terribly broken the world really is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and man, it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking yeah. to think about. Like if you, if you take the news, like if you imagine taking the clip that I saw last night of the, the kids running out of the high school Yeah. and you broadcast that in church and you read, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. Mm. It would take on a whole different meaning. It would move. It moves the tragedy of the world into the context of, of the story that God is telling. And, uh, you know, it, it makes room for us to, to cry out to God and ask why this is happening. And, um, yeah. and I think that's okay. Like one of my yeah. favorite, uh, moments and, uh, little lessons that I learned from Michael Card was, he said, uh, he was talking about lament and he said, at no point in scripture, does God ever say, how dare you speak to me that way? Mm. Like, um, he always welcomes the conversation, no matter what it is that you're feeling, uh, anger at him, um, confusion, frustration, whatever it may be. He kind of welcomes that conversation. So this is a season where I think it's important to recover that a little bit mm-hmm. and go, uh, um, we're kind of walking on this road toward the cross for 40 days. And, uh, and it's a good time to be confronted with just how deep the wound goes. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was going to ask you about your trip to Israel, and maybe I will in a minute, but I I feel like the conversation is taking us to a place, uh, a different psalm that's on your prologue called Always Good, uh, which you have described as a lament, and it doesn't necessarily sound like a lament at first. Um, but do, do you mind sharing a little bit of the story behind that of your friend? And sure. th- there was a profound tragedy behind that song. And again, I think hearing the story might help us in some way um, to to find ways to properly grieve and hope at the same time. Yeah, well, it's it's tricky because I'm. It was such it's such an intimate uh, thing that happened, um, and I've. I'm still wrestling with how, how to talk about it publicly, mm. but um, I'll just say the quick version is that my friend's wife died just a few hours after she gave birth to their daughter. Mm. And uh, so this guy, the best day and the worst day of this, my friend's life happened, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's the kind of thing that I think 200 years ago, 
it was no less tragic, but it happened more often. But these days, it's it's pretty rare to hear of this this thing, and uh, yeah. and it was just devastating to our whole community here. He's a musician and um, mm. had toured with me some, and really close to my boys. And anyway, the the we were all just grieving and uh, his wife's death and the complicated kind of feeling of the joy of his daughter's birth and all that kind of stuff. And uh, anyway, my son told me that one of the things that he heard my friends say when he saw his wife's for the last time yeah, was in tears. He said, always good, always good. God is always good. And, uh, and it was the kind of thing that like felt like it was um, supernatural to me. Like mm. I, I can't imagine that being the, the cry of my heart Yeah. in that moment. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. so it almost felt like, uh, the kind of thing that like the, the Holy Spirit maybe took over <laughs> and declared yeah. this truth in the face of such tragedy uh, mm -hmm. in order to give this guy a story or something to hold on to. So the, in that sense, it, it is a lament. Like it yeah. was the cry of his heart at the at the most painful moment of his whole life. And uh, and so, um, yeah, I don't I don't ever want it to feel trite. Um, right. You know, it's not an easy thing to say. Um, and I wouldn't want people to like say in the face of tragedy, oh, don't worry, God is always good. It's like that, that, that doesn't feel right. But the fact that it came from the mouth of the guy who was suffering most hmm. struck me as very profound. So, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I, I sure. know that's, I know that must be such a, a hard thing to talk about. And I, I don't mean to, to well, it's not hard for me. No, no, no. It's, it's mainly just, I, I don't want to um, betray his, you know, memory you know what i'm saying sure, like right it, it, it's i, I want to be careful with it because it, it was it's such a was such a tender thing for him certainly and, uh, but certainly. anyway it's, it's i'm I, i'm grateful for that i'm a great like the song i wrote the song the day before his wife's funeral and his family very kindly asked me to sing it at the funeral so it mm. was uh yeah i couldn't wait to text him the song whenever whenever we finished recording it yeah wow well, thank you for sharing that. Sure. That really is a it's a powerful story, and I think it just gives so much more meaning even to an already great song. Um, would you mind telling us uh, in in the moments we have left a little bit about your trip to Israel and and how it affected the the writing of uh, oh, yeah. these new albums? Man, well, I was so pumped to get invited on this trip, and it was it was a kind of a last minute thing. Like, um, I had a friend that was on the trip, and they had an extra seat, and they, he was like. Hey, is it cool if we call my buddy Andrew? He's working on a record right now about the resurrection, and so they said yes. And uh, I just kind of last minute hopped on the plane. It was actually we were supposed to be in the studio making the record during the ten days that I was going to go to Israel. So we had to pause the album, but I felt like it was crucial. You know, I was mm -hmm. just like, yeah, if I if I have a chance to go there and, and walk around where this actually happened, I, it, surely it'll inform some some part of the music. And so. Uh, it sure did. Like there are three or four songs on the album that that wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for that trip. So it was it was truly amazing. But like the 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 two songs that come to mind that were like really directly informed by it um, are "God Rested," which is the last one on Prologue, mm -hmm. uh, and that was partly because it was a uh, we we got to Jerusalem on Friday afternoon uh, just before the sunset, which marked the beginning of sabbath but it wasn't a normal sabbath it was actually rosh hashanah which is the jewish new year mm -hmm. so it was a little bit 
you know, more significant of a Sabbath. And so we got there and as the sun sets, uh, you just hear the, the song, the singing, the songing, the singing <laughs> gets louder and the chanting gets louder. And we, and I moved forward through, you know, this crowd of Jewish people and put my hands on the wall and was just so overcome by this longing for the new creation. Like in that mm. moment, like hearing all of the, the, the singing and the weeping and, uh, you know, there's, there's so much resonance between what it is that a Christian is longing for and what it is that the Jews are longing for. Like it's, yeah. it's different, uh, but there's a whole lot of overlap. Um, I'm longing to see Christ the King face to face. You know, I'm longing for yeah. the day when, you know, the new Jerusalem descends and we, and God makes his place among us again. And, and the restoration of the temple, so to speak, which is really just the restoration of the, of of the of eden it's like the new eden uh and so but to be there among these people who are singing the same songs the same uh prophecies in isaiah this it was just so so overwhelming to me and the way what i felt like i told somebody after was like i felt like i was lucy on the inside of the wardrobe like with her her hands on the back of the wardrobe wishing she could get back into narnia again sure and uh and that's how I, i was standing there with my hands on the wall thinking like it's not like, yeah. There's a sense in which the the kingdom is already here, and there's a sense in which it's coming, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to see it so badly. And yeah. so, uh, anyway, that was amazing. So there's a song on the record called "Maybe Next Year," and uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I kind of just like jumped for songs. But God Rested was inspired by the the experiencing the Sabbath and re- kind of the connection of, you know, the idea that God is on the outside of time. Uh, or he, I could say he moves in and out of time if he wants to, because it's mm-hmm. time is, is something that he would have come up with. Means that when he, you know, the creation account that we have in Genesis, you know, the the fact that uh, at the end of the sixth day God said it was very good, and then on the seventh day he rested, and then he, you know, uh, instituted Sabbath rest for his people. He did all that knowing exactly what was going to happen. You know, he knew that yeah. all of those things there, it's not a stretch to say that those things are prefigurings of what, what was going to happen uh, with Christ's body interred mm-hmm. in the tomb on Saturday. And so, you know, the overlay of Old and New Testament uh, is such, is part of the beautiful multifaceted work of art that God is uh, making of the world, you know? Yeah. And uh, and so God rested was kind of my attempt to, to capture that beautiful sense in, in which um creation itself all the whole story you know was foreshadowing the the moment when god himself would lay resting in the tomb so anyway the, the, so yeah. the trip was just profoundly moving it was it was not to keep talking narnia but it was like <laughs> i told somebody that as a pastor's kid growing up in the church and going to sunday school and vbs and everything it was like getting to going to israel it was like getting on a plane and going to narnia it was yeah. like walking around inside of a story that you grew up reading and I just, it was overwhelming. Like I cried so many times on that trip. Well, that, that means a lot. I've, my, my son is five years old now and I have just now started reading Narnia to him. Uh, so that, that's, uh, it's, that's good to hear. Good to hear about yeah. that. Well, the, the, the prologue album ends and the words literally are the sun went down, the Sabbath faded, the holy day was done and all creation waited. And uh, I, I want to encourage people as they listen through the albums, you know, do, do yourselves a favor and listen, you know, on Holy Week and give yourself that time to grieve over the weekend because uh, the album that follows is powerful. 
and uh, the volume one and I, I don't want to go too much into volume one today just a little bit because I don't want to give too much away before it releases but I have to tell you um, when his heartbeats starts mm-hmm. up and after you've heard the one album um, I, I can't get that particular song out of my head it's just this glorious proclamation of the resurrection I think we may even try to use it on Easter Sunday this year at our oh, church good. because be awesome. it's it's uh, it's it's really good and so I, I don't want to give too much of the album away too soon for people that may not have heard it but but let me ask you what is your dream for resurrection letters volume one if you could say i i want this to happen when people hear this album yeah well i what i want what i want to happen is for the same thing that has been happening in my own heart which is that Mm -hmm. i i just i love jesus more like i'm Mm -hmm. i'm more amazed by what it is that he did and uh the 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 Second verse, I think, in his heartbeats, which is the first song on the new record, where it mm-hmm. says uh, he's resting as he rises to reclaim the bride he won, mm. um, is a is a line that Ben wrote, and I just I love that verse because it's like that's what he did, yeah, like he he paid this he walked this in this road that no no human could could walk. He endured what none of us could endure, um, in order to make us his own, in order to mm. like turn make every sad thing come untrue in the words of Tolkien. And so like that sense of celebration and victory and triumph, it's kind of like when you're watching the Olympics and you see somebody nail something and they just go, yes. And you see the slow-mo picture of them kind of like fist pumping. And I always feel like I want to cry. I mean, that's what I, I kind of like, that's the the sense of triumph that I want people to feel about what our Lord has done when they hear this record. So the idea is, Easter morning, wake up and push play and turn it up as loud as you can, and uh, <laughs> and just celebrate the fact that that, that it's finished, you know. Yeah. And so, and part of that came from uh, again N.T. Wright. This book, Surprised by Hope. If Great you guys book. listening haven't read that book yet, you must read it. Is it was uh, for for a kid like me, like pastor's kid growing up in the American South, like I didn't, I, I couldn't have ever explained to you like I, I get I got the fact that Jesus died yes mm-hmm. I got the fact that his his crucifixion was the atonement for the our sin uh, and that he rose again and that he was going to come back I got all that but like yeah. why he did it you know like the end game is a new Eden the end mm-hmm. game is not some like far away float on a cloud kind of heaven it's no it's like something far more exciting and surprising than that and it's the earth made new and so that idea um that's what we're celebrating at easter and you know depending on what church tradition you come from easter doesn't end on easter sunday easter begins on easter sunday and i forget how many days easter goes on the church Mm -hmm. calendar it's it's seven weeks yeah okay so seven weeks of easter like (laughs) that's like seven weeks of celebration and partying and anyway i remember uh nt wright in that book talking about how he was he was like i wish that the church threw such a massive party that it dwarfed Christmas, you know, right. that like, like Christmas obviously is crucial, but like, uh, but Easter is, is the other ha- half of the story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the idea that like, he, he suggested, like, why don't we have a feast that, that lasts? Why don't we take off work? Why don't we all make such a big deal out of the resurrection of Jesus that the world can't help but wonder, what are you guys carrying on about? Yeah. And it's like the, the, the idea that there was a bodily resurrection is, is so crucial. I know I already said that, but it's, it changes the whole game. You know, it, it explains to me why the, the apostles and the disciples were willing to die. 
Hmm. uh for this thing it, it explains the propagation of the early church it's like this none of this would make sense if jesus hadn't shown up in the room you know that sunday yeah. and said touch the scars like this is what's in store for us and so uh so this record my dream is that this record is part of that seven week party yeah that's great that's a really i think that's a wonderful dream god let it let it happen for sure yeah <laughs> Well, I really I have one more question for you before we're done today, but I also have a comment that I, I wanted to say to you uh, on, on a personal level, too. Um, this this has sort of been a, a rabbit room last few weeks here. I've had uh, Andrew Osenga on the show. I've, I've had Jeremy Casella. I've had uh, different ones of us that are funding albums right now. We've been like <laughs> uh, talking through stuff, uh, but it's been fun. And But I, but I mentioned Andrew, not only um, Osenga, not only because he has an incredible new album coming out, but you and Andrew wrote a song together years ago. Uh, and I, I always forget to say to both of you guys when I talk to you, uh, what a profound impact this song had on my life, but it was after The Last Tear Falls. Mm. And I had not heard the song before, and uh, it's been, you know, around a decade for me now, and uh, I, I went through just, just hell on earth. I went through a terrible divorce, and I was still, you know, working at my church, and it just all, mm. you know, life just kind of fell apart for me. And I have a very dear friend that uh, had me over to his house, and he just played that song for me. And, uh, and that song... In many ways, it carried me through on my darkest days. I would just find myself um, in, in places wherever I could just by myself alone and just needing a boost. And I needed to be reminded that uh, in the end, these tears were not going to be all that there was. And, and, and there's such a, uh, you know, since that time, God has done so many amazing things in my life. Everything mm -hmm. from... Uh, you know, uh, uh, an amazing wife and my son and, you know, working as a writer for Lifeway Worship and just different things that have happened in amazing ways. But I've never gotten to say to both of you guys just in person, I don't think. I, I just wanted to thank you, first of all, because I can't tell you um, what, how that has ministered to me over the years. And, wow. um, and I, I still to this day when I know someone that's going through an incredible um crisis in their life i often will refer them to that song and so i just wanted to say well, thank, thank you. you and yeah thank you i'm um, so so thankful to hear that that's the whole reason uh i got into this game is i just i've been so comforted by other songs that like um hearing that is super satisfying so yeah. i'm really thankful the lord has uh, blessed you through it well well, thank you. I'm glad I finally got a chance to say that. But, <laughs> and I should well, also I mean, say that like, I, all the best parts of that song were written by Andrew Osang. So. <laughs> amazing, amazing writer. And, you, and yeah. you guys are all just such kind people, too. And I, I always appreciate all of you when I get a chance to chat with you. And uh, Well, let's. how about we end with, with one question? I'm, I'm definitely going to point everybody to the, the two new albums, and I'm going to play a track from it as we close the show today. Um, but I have a question uh, relating to a lot of the different hats that you wear as a creative person, because uh, many people, but maybe not everybody knows that you're also an author, and now you ha also have a show that is on uh, on Amazon, on instant video, uh, through the books that you've authored, through the Wingfeather Saga. So, you know, you're a very literary songwriter in that there are these amazing stories that you tell, but you're also a very lyrical author, and sometimes it's almost like songs jump off the page when you're reading your stories. And now that you have uh, the cartoon made of the Wingfeather Saga, so I, I guess in some ways, I guess that makes you a TV 
runner or, or a show producer <laughs> a show or something. Runner. So I mean, sort of, of, yeah. of, of all these different hats that you're wearing, whether let's, let's just call you the TV producer, the songwriter, the singer, the author is, is there one of those hats that, that gives you the most life as a creative person? Or do you just kind of find them all to be part of the same pie? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I think that they're all, you know, spokes on a wheel and, um, it, it all it, it all feels like it's scratching the same itch, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I happen to to believe like the the same thing that excites me about the uh, the Wingfeather uh, books uh, is the same thing that excites me about the potential of turning it into a movie, which is what we're working on. And, uh, mm-hmm. and is just this idea that God uh, smuggles light into people's hearts through through the arts and. Um, and I, you know, and I, I say it that as a person who, you know, I, they're much better songwriters than me, much better authors than me, much better, you know, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I would call myself a TV producer, but, but <laughs> I, I mean, I, I executive produced this, this, this uh, animated short. And so, um, but I, it, I don't know who, who is it that said, uh, like, taste is the enemy of great art. Um, <laughs> I, I've heard that before. And I, I think there is some truth to that, but. But on the other hand, it's like um, that doesn't let us off the hook uh, to try to make something really beautiful, you know? Like I don't think I'll ever write a song as good as Rich Mullins' The Color Green. Mm. Um, but every time I sit down to write a song, I think, Lord, help me help me come close to those mountains, you know? Yeah. If I could if I could just get close to the thing. So and, and the whole reason behind that is just that I, I have been so affected by certain kinds of books, certain kinds of movies, certain kinds of songs that like, I just, I, it, it thrills me to think that God would allow a knucklehead like me to, uh, you know, to, to be a part of his kingdom in that way. Um, yeah. and that, I remember 25 years ago, well, whatever, whenever it was asking him for that, you know? Um, and so I think all of that stuff, like I know I'd be lying if I didn't say that, or, or I'd be lying if I said that, like, sin and ambition wasn't a part of some of that stuff like Mm -hmm. uh there have been a few moments where i felt this really cut to the quick kind of realization that like oh you said yes to doing this thing because you wanted to look cool or Mm. you said yes to this because uh i don't know maybe you thought it would make money or whatever um and so kind of having been convicted on and off over the years of that thing, like what I, what I would love to operate out of was just truly trust and, uh, uh, like saying yes to things because it's born of the spirit and not my own sinful flesh, but, but that God is calling me to these things. And so, so in one sense or another, the, everything from the film to the books, to the records, like God is either calling me specifically to do this thing or he's redeeming my sinful desire <laughs> mm. to have done it in the first place and is is made good out of my bad and uh and so all that to say that it to me it, it all it's all the same pot you know what i mean like sure when i wake up in the morning and i come out of here to the chapter house to work um i don't there i kind of change hats but it just like it all kind of just is what like whatever's most urgent i just sit down and i do it and sure and god has been so gracious to me to allow me to kind of like uh geek out over so many different <laughs> kinds of things that i like so i that's a good question and, and i'm sorry that that's such a rambly answer no that's that's fine it was a good answer 
Well, for everybody listening, uh, the Resurrection Letters prologue is out right now. And Well, I guess this is a podcast, so you could be listening to this five years from now, so maybe they're both out by the time <laughs> you hear it. But um, the prologue is out right now, and in March, the Volume 1 of Resurrection Letters comes out. So I want to encourage all of you to go out and pick that up. It, they, are, they are really wonderful songs, and they're very they're perfect for the season of Lent and as we move into Easter. And, and that would be my recommendation to everyone listening this year. Follow Andrew's advice and on Easter Sunday morning, crank your speakers to 11 and, and let it play on Resurrection <laughs> Volume 1. So, Andrew Peterson, thank you. thank you so much for being one of the voices in my head this week. Thank you, Rick. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'd like to host my own podcast? Well, guess what? You can go to podbean.com slash voices and get everything you need to create, manage, and promote your podcast. I use Podbean every week for voices in my head. There's easy uploading and publishing tools, stunning templates, custom domains, social and promotional tools, an embeddable podcast player, monetization tools, and more. It is your all-in-one podcasting solution. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. So go to podbean.com slash voices. And when you sign up, use the code VOICES and you'll get a sizable discount. Podbean, for your home podcasting. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace, who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.